Hello, hello, hello. Hey, how's it going? My name is Darian. I am back for another week of horror sh- stupidness and shenanigans. It's just me again, folks. It's probably going to be that way for the foreseeable future. I don't know why I even keep telling you that. You already knew that because uh, I haven't had anybody else in here for months. I don't know if anybody else is still alive, to be honest with you. I don't know if they ever existed at all at this point. They all might just be figments of my diseased imagination. And there may not even be anybody listening to this anymore. Maybe the rest of the world has evaporated. And I am now stuck in this limbo of a guest room where my purgatory is that I must talk about horror movies every single goddamn week. (laughs) To nobody at all. It's just me, man. I'm sorry. I'm going off on a weird esoteric tangent. Uh, I am back. I've got horror news and listener mail and all kinds of fun shit to talk to you about. If you are, in fact, listening, I don't know if you are or not. You might just have me on in the background while you're driving to work and you're actually thinking about uh, which fast fast food place you're going to stop and get breakfast from. That's fine. I get it. I do the exact same shit at my job. Uh, I've listened to bazillions of hours of podcasts. I still don't know what the hell they're all about. So, I don't know. I guess it's just the sound of having somebody else's voice in the car makes you feel a little less lonely. Is that what it is? It could be. Uh, it's sad. <laughs> All right, goddammit. Nobody. No Monica. Just me. Sorry. I've got a show to do here, folks. I can't be prattling on about you and your car speakers all day. I got horror news to talk about, dudes. horror news yes sir uh are you ready for neil blomkamp's horror movie i don't know that i am um i wasn't a huge fan of uh what was that chappie and night what was it the other one ninth district or whatever it was with the aliens and it just it kind of very uh depressing Really, the whole thing, both of them, very depressing. I'm sure this one's going to be just as depressing. It's called Demonic, and it's going to hit Blu-ray in March. I'm going to check it out. I'll find it probably on VOD, or uh, I'll pay the $3 or whatever over at Amazon. But I'm going to rent it first before I dive into the Blu-ray. Unless, of course, it has a really kick-ass cover. 
In which case, I'll probably just dive right in. I'm a sucker for, for box art, inmates. Is, am I the only one that, that has gone down the box art rabbit hole? There are some absolute garbage movies out there that have great box art. I think the most sterling example of that would be Zombie Lake. Have you ever seen that one? Great box art. That's like a, it's like a Nazi zombie coming out of the lake and he's like pushing a hot chick down in the water. Uh, she looks like she's having an orgasm or something. And then you watch the movie and it is a complete waste of your time. <laughs> I think that was a, uh, one of those John Reno movies. You know what I'm saying? Though basically softcore pornos. Uh, I remember the zombies being absolutely terrible in that movie. Don't watch it. Do Google the box art for Zombie Lake. You're going to love that. Uh, Jason Bloom. He has been teasing a third, a possible third Happy Death Day movie. I have not seen the second one yet. I watched the first one. I liked it. I remember Cake Wolf was absolutely over the moon about it. I don't understand why. Uh, it was fine. It was more of a comedy thing, like Groundhog's Day with a horror twist. Never saw the second one. I don't really care uh, if there's a third one. And he was, uh, this guy, this Bloom, Jason Bloom, he's always talking about having an expansive uh, horror universe. Like he's somehow going to tie Happy Death Day into the Purge movies or um, Sinister. Uh, he's going to bring that back and like tie it into Insidious or some shit. It's, he's, it, he's been talking about that for like five years. Nothing yet, Mr. Bloom. If that is, in fact, your real name, I'm sure it is. I don't know why it wouldn't be. Um, here's something that is kind of cool, but doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think it was about a year ago. I had a bit of, I had a, uh, some friends over to the house and a buddy of mine got the, um, oh, what the fuck? Uh, it was like a pay-per-view package, but it was for like some film festival. And we basically got to watch two pre-released horror movies like before they got released to theaters it was like a it was like a uh, remote viewing uh film festival is what it was and he had to pay like eight bucks a movie or something like that and then uh he came over to my place along with some other friends and he logged on to my tv and we got to watch these two movies um one was really good and the other one was kind of a, a dud uh the really good one was called eight for silver it was uh, I guess you would call it a a, a werewolf movie, but in uh, there's like some twists. I don't want to ruin it for you. Anyway, it's being repackaged and renamed as Cursed or The Cursed, and it's getting a theatrical um, release in February. Now, if you can check it out, it's a great show. Uh, there is some really disturbing shit going on. <laughs> particularly with like this weird village lynching scene you're gonna you're gonna love that shit uh check it out i guess it's now gonna be called the cursed if you've seen eight for silver you know what i'm talking about it's a great show great horror movie i hope they didn't fuck with it you know because i know sometimes they do that uh they'll they'll run it past test audiences and see what they think and then they'll fuck fuck around with it add shit take shit off i don't i hope they didn't do that it's like a two-and-a-half-hour movie, as I recall, but it was a great show. You're going to love that. Check it out if it's in your neighborhood. Trailers are up for the Korean Netflix zombie series, All of Us Are Dead. Uh, I checked out the trailers. They look pretty good. Subtitles. Uh, hopefully, by the time they actually release this thing, they'll have an English dubbing uh, option. 
I don't. But it looked pretty good. Very Train to Busan esque as far as like the fast zombies and some kind of a viral infection situation. I hope it's not going to tug on my heartstrings. You know what I mean? I I don't tune into horror movies and zombie movies to leave the movie theater crying like a fucking weeping mess, like a baby. You know what I mean? I don't want to have an emotional experience at a at a zombie movie. I want to see some zombies get split in half and get their heads blown off and things like that. You know, I don't need your commentary on what good par- what good parenting is. I cannot figure that out on my, on my own. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Fear Street. You remember that shit? The uh, the Netflix trilogy. Pretty good shows, I thought. Uh, Fear Street masks are being released this Halloween for all three movies. Um, I checked them out. You've got uh, the Billy. Uh, little kid uh, mask then you have the skull mask from the first movie and then you have the uh, like the sack head mask from the the 1977 version so i mean i'm a fan of the movies i don't i don't i'm sure those things are selling for at least 100 bucks a piece i don't feel the need to if i was a mask collector i might jump on that bandwagon but I got kids here, and they get traumatized bad enough every time they walk into this room with all my regular horror shit, most of which my wife has made me take down. Uh, they're, they're not going to get into the masks, I'll tell you right now, because that would, that would definitely ruin them. And I think they may have watched one or two of those movies um, now that I think about it. So they definitely don't need to see them hanging out in Daddy's uh, uh, podcasting room. And if I have them... The likelihood of me using them to further scare my children goes up quite a bit. So, so which is in turn going to get me punched in the nuts by my wife. So, let's just not, I'm just not going to do it myself. For me, no. You, maybe, if you're into masks. Or if you're some kind of a Fear Street super fan. Which I wouldn't blame you for being. Those are good shows. Alright, that's all I got on the horror, horror news there, you maniacs. Let's do a little listener mail here, shall we? Listener mail. Yes, sir. What do we have here? Emails, voicemails, all that stuff, all that kind of business coming in. Here we go. Let's get this party started in Tokyo, Japan. Here comes Lonely Bob. Uh, Subject line, Resident Evil. Hey, Padded Room crew. I agree. Mia Jovovich is a pretty good actress, but I wouldn't call her beautiful nor be on my bang list. Um, I mean, I'm not going to kick her out of bed, uh, Kevin, but like if, um, I don't know, she just, she just has like a weird kind of, I don't want to say a resting bitch face, but like a um, waiting for you to fuck up so that she can yell at you kind of a face. You know what I mean? Like uh, she has like a, I wouldn't say a bitch face, I would say like a middle manager face, <laughs> like a passive aggressive kind of a snooty face, for lack of a better term. She's still, I mean, she's hot. She's hotter than uh, any of my ex-girlfriends. I'll tell you that right now. That's not saying much, though. Uh, all right, back to uh, in votes, Silver versus Xenomorph. 
It is pretty cool that both aliens end up fighting each other, but in pure deadliness, Xenomorph outranks Syl. The vote goes to the Xenomorph. As for how a face hugger would jump on her face and face rape her to impregnate her to create a new type of Xenomorph. Well, what you have there, Kevin, is a Xenomorph with boobs. And that is a creature that I do not want to tangle with. I mean, I kind of do, but I really don't. Uh, that's that's a whole other situation there. There's two for the Xenomorph. Thanks for writing in, Kev. Uh, let's get out and about over to Parts Unknown. Out on the open road. Here comes Freddy. Subject line, Hot Blondes. Hey, folks, I enjoyed my short time in your city on my run. The snow on the mountain is always beautiful, and the free beer I was plied with was very enjoyable. For Educate, you are Seventh Moon with Amy Smart. Yes, I am. Well done, Freddie. That's actually, that's actually a really good show. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, I did. We did an episode on it like six years ago. Really good show, uh, like a vacation survival thing. The, the, the Chinese demons in this thing are fucking gnarly. Uh, I do often go down rabbit holes when I see an actress I really like, and blondes are definitely my favorites. On that, only because she's blonde, and I was asked very nicely over a few beers, I'm going to vote for Syl. Well, I see Cowboy is at it again, isn't he? You son of a bitch. Uh, now, logically, she can't win against the Xenomorph, but again, free beer. Current parts unknown include Georgia right now, and I am seeing firsthand how people here freak out over a bit of snow. It's an experience. Stay safe out there. Cheers, Freddie. Right on, Freddie. Thanks for writing in, big guy. Uh, you stay safe out there, amigo. I'm sitting here in my guest room. You're out there uh, hitting the ice roads or whatever. Uh, speaking of icy roads, let's get over to jolly old England. Here comes Cat. Subject line, I, or wait. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Sydney, Australia, actually. Let's get over to Sydney, Australia. I don't think they ever have any kind of ice down there. But uh, here comes Tim from the Horror for Dummies crew. Subject line, I had a dream. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Maybe I should read this one quietly to myself and then decide if I should read this on air. Now, nah, let's just do it. Hey guys, how's things this week? Hopefully everyone is happy and healthy, and by everyone I mean you, Darian, assuming you're alone again. I am, Tim. Uh, You don't have to assume, man. Just expect that I'm going to be here by myself, and if and when somebody shows up, well, isn't that a treat? (laughs) So the other night I had a dream. It was a weird dream, but this dream really spoke to me. Basically what happened was... I was on a spaceship, and on this spaceship was this huge battle between a xenomorph and Syl from Species. The xenomorph was kicking Syl's ass pretty good, but before the alien could hit the finish blow, out of the shadows a strange man came up to me. This man was dressed like a cowboy, and what he said to me I'll never forget. This cowboy said, Hey dude, you should definitely pick Syl to win this fight. I asked him why, and he said, Nothing. He just tipped his hat and walked away. (laughs) I then woke up in a puddle of my own juices. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I can't seem to get this cowboy gentleman out of my head. So in honor of this cowboy guy, I'm going to pick Syl to win in the Terra Dome. Love you guys. Tim. All right. Shit. It's fine. Whatever, Tim. Uh, Have fun in your own juices there. And uh, quit having dreams about Cowboy. That's, that's kind of weird, you know? I know both you guys, and uh, 
the idea of you two having sex with each other is not something I want to indulge. Uh, here come, now we're going to jolly old England. Here she comes, the horror slut herself. Cat is in the house. Subject line, hungry ghosts. Evening gents, or gents, I do hope you have a bit of company tonight. I do not. As I am not a gamer, I can only defend these movies on the thought that they are fun and great to turn my brain off. She's talking about the Resident Evil movies that I'm covering uh, this month and most of next. Um, sure, I'm with you on that, Cat. I only know that they do not match with the games from what I have heard from you. While they do have plenty of plot holes, I still enjoy them and think they are stupid fun, and I may have to have a marathon on my next full weekend off. Terradome, I'm rather torn today. On one hand, the Xenomorph is a beautiful killing machine, and very few would survive in one-on-one combat. On the other hand, I was asked very nicely, in a mention of blatant pandering for votes, do I vote logically or help a friend out? Decisions, decisions. Perhaps I will leave you in suspense. For educate, I believe you are Seventh Moon. You're correct, Cat. Cat is good at this. She's got a good horror IQ. Either that or she's just Googling the shit that I say. It could be either, really. I don't know. I don't know what she's up to. Uh, if I remember right, I rather enjoyed this movie. Now to do keep asking for Richard photographs, so I've included one of my own for your pleasure. I do hope you enjoy this rather famous Richard. About time to get ready for my shift tonight, so I think I'll be nice and give my vote to... She's going to leave us on a cliffhanger. Have a great evening, and I look forward to listening in the morning. Cat. P.S. I had to tease with the suspense. Hee <laughs> hee. Sill gets my vote for the eloquent way I was asked and, possi- and the possibility of hearing a bit more alien sexy time. Two more for Sill. And she included a, pre- a uh, picture of King Richard III. Very snazzy dresser. Uh, I guess everybody dressed like superheroes back then. Very cool. Thanks for writing in, Cat. Your votes are locked in for Sill and the Terradome. Here comes the culprit of this uh, election fraud, the cowboy himself. Subject line, boobs. Well, he's got my attention. Evening, padded room. Hope everyone is doing well and someone made it in tonight. Best wishes for Monica and her family. I don't have a whole lot tonight as work is still slammed, but I did get to finish the Creep Show series and the holiday special. Really enjoyed it all. But that's all I've had time to watch this week. Educate your seventh moon. A bit shaky on the camera work, but I thought it was okay. I might have liked it more if I watched it late at night. That always helps a movie, cowboy. And Seventh Moon was directed by Eduardo Sanchez. He is like the master of found footage. He was one of the original minds behind the uh, Blair Witch Project. Um, Exists, which is a great uh, found footage uh, Bigfoot movie. Seventh Moon, um, Altered. Lovely Molly, one of my all-time favorites. Good, easy. I love, I love me some Eduardo Sanchez. Uh, Seventh Moon. I did come across the podcast series I'm enjoying about the Dark Tower books. Of if any are interested. Now for Terra Dome, I do know that Syl doesn't stand a chance against the Xenomorph, but she's my girl, so obviously sticking with my horse. And to possibly sway the vote, I've included a few pics of the movie. From the movie of Boobs. Back to the grind and the work insanity. Hope everyone has a great week. Catch you on the flip, cowboy. Oh, he did. He went to uh, MrSkin.com. And these are some topless pictures of Natasha Henstridge. A young, supple 
budding Natasha Henstridge. Look at that one. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, there's another one. There's he got two of them. Those are pretty nice pictures. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to uh, save that for later. Uh, that's two more for Sill. Very cool. Thanks for writing in there, cowboy. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, here comes a blast from the past. All the way from the crack houses of Baltimore, Maryland, here comes Crack House Matt. Subject line, not dead yet. Well, he's not dead, so we got that going. Uh, Hey, padded room, though probably just Arian. Yeah, it's just me, Matt. Long time, no right. I never left, just been lurking in the shadows, creepily listening every week in silence. Life's been uh, a challenge, to say the least. This whole pandemic era has wreaked havoc on my business and mental health. Buying a restaurant two months before a worldwide pandemic hits and seemingly never fucking ends turned out to be probably the worst mistake I've made in my life. And believe me, I've made some fucking idiot choices. (laughs) This one by far, though, takes the cake. I didn't write to bitch, so I'm moving it right along. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're having fun with it, Matt. Yeah, it's a motherfucker, my friend. Pterodome, give me the xenomorph. Thank you very much for voting logically and with the right head, Matt, not the one uh, between your legs. I feel guilty for not writing in last week and tipping the scales for the maniac cop over the fucking tomato, but I have a sneaking suspicion we will be crowning a giant red champion this year. I'm sure the thinking will go that the natural acids produced by the tomatoes somehow neutralize the xenomorph's acid blood. If we have any hope, however, it has to be pyramid head. I'd love to hear how the tomato can defeat Pyramid Head. <laughs> I mean, if there was ever a folly to a giant tomato, I would think it would be a giant sharp blade that could turn it into caprese, caprese salad with ease. I don't know if I pronounce that right, Matt. I don't know anything about salads. Uh, I saw the new Scream movie on opening night. I rarely admit it, but the Scream movies actually mean a lot to me. Not because they are the best movies ever, but they were specifically targeted at my exact age group. I was a freshman in high school when the original came out, so I feel like I've aged right along with all of the characters and was on the inside of all the jokes and social commentary. The new one was actually pretty good. I don't know that it broke any truly new ground, but it delivers what it always has. A decent whodunit, some good kills, self-aware enough to poke fun at what it is, and a nice recovery from Courtney Cox's hair from Part 3. I offer this challenge to you. Name a horror franchise that has gone five movies deep that has held up better than the Scream series. We've certainly had some dips in quality in some of them, but by and large, parts one through five have remained at a fairly consistent level. I think the only reason people feel that part three was the worst was because of all the rewrites they had to do in the wake of the Columbine shootings. Even as it is, though, I don't necessarily hate it. This is getting long, so I'll GP myself. Till next time, Crack House Matt out. Uh, that's that's an interesting question there, Machismo. Um... I and you know what I never really got into the Scream movies. They felt the first one was cool because it was kind of meta in a weird way, and it kind of made fun of itself. Um, after that, they kind of tried to. I felt like they just kept kind of trying to repeat the formula, and it really, while it was they were slashers, they became more like murder mysteries, and. 
if you just keep putting different people in the ghost face costume, then ghost face isn't really a slasher. He's just a, a costume that's being passed around. I didn't particularly care for that myself. Um, as far as franchises go, I would point you towards uh, the Saw movies. I know it's an unpopular opinion, and I know people get pissed off because of what uh, they try to do there, having storylines intertwine and run congruent and parallel and things like that. But I would say, uh, if I had to pick between the Saw movies and the Scream movies, I would go with the Saw movies. And they're, they've got, they're more than five movies now with this uh, the Chris Rock thing. What is that? Seven, eight of them now? Something like that. Uh, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I would love to hear anybody else's thoughts on that. What horror franchise do you guys think held have held up as nicely as the Scream franchise? Now, I don't know. That brings us down a whole other rabbit hole here, Matt. Because if we're gonna if we're gonna count Scream as a whole. We got to think about that piece of shit MTV series that came out. Uh, I got about three episodes into that, and I, <laughs> I try, I, I tried to do the Kevin Nez challenge where we all uh, watched a shitty TV show, and uh, Monica ended up falling in love with iZombie. I made it three episodes deep into Scream and tapped the fuck out. Uh, anyway, food for thought. Let me know what you think about that, inmates. I'd love to get uh, some other thoughts on that. What else we got here? comes ah this motherfucker it's from the wayland yutani corporation here comes carter burke again god this guy's a prick <laughs> he finds the best pictures of me though uh i've got two pictures here um one of them is of me of course and the other one is uh oh fuck what's this guy's name i'm sure it's dick something yeah, it's uh, it's Dick Clark from American Bandstand. So there you go. Okay, very funny there, Carter Burke. Uh, he says, what do these two photos have in common? Both are dicks and have gone on rambling to anyone who would listen for far too long. Also, how much did you want to be Fred Durst? <laughs> All right, well, this picture was taken, I think, in uh, 2006 uh, there. Carter Burke, number one. Number two, I've lost a lot of weight since this particular photo was taken. So I, I, I'll admit, I did do a bit of a Fred Durst thing. You got me there, Carter, you piece of shit. And hey, what's the deal with closing the door on Newt and uh, Ripley? You know, you could have saved those two ladies. Joke's on you, fucker. You're the one that got eaten by the xenomorph. Uh, go fuck yourself, Carter Burke. Here comes Tony from Southern California. Subject line, you can't seduce a xenomorph. Greetings, padded room. Let's get this out of the way. As hot as Sill is, you can't seduce a xenomorph. The xenomorphs have razor claws and face huggers and spit acid. Sill is basically a black widow. I know that everyone wants Sill to eventually try to seduce the tomato and make Darian write that scenario. You know what? Fuck it. I'll vote for Sill. Thanks a lot, Tony. God damn it. That's what, that's what I'm going to have to do, folks. That's what you want. That's I got. I have to find a way to make that make sense. Sill fighting a tomato. Thank you very much. I only got to watch one movie this week due to my child getting botulism. Uh, one thousand cases a year in America, and my kid was one of them. He'll be okay, but he's really cramping my movie watching schedule. Resident Evil isn't good. This is the last one that I had previously watched in the franchise. It's not getting much better. At least they've upped the gore in this one, but. That didn't change much. What happened to Jill Valentine? 
Did they just kick her to the curb in between movies? Why does the secret underground base dump a shitload of bodies 10 feet from the door? How secret is that? The one redeeming part of the movie is Allie Larder as Claire Redfield. The whole series should have revolved around her, not this nonsense Alice character. Mrs. Darian is Seventh Moon and that chick that was also the butterfly effect. Uh, Amy Smart, I think is her name. She has kind of fallen off recently, but she was pretty smart. And she was in, um, oh, what was it? Not Euro Trip, uh, Road Trip, I think. She played Brecken Meyer's uh, sort of love interest, friend zone that turned into his love interest. And I think we got to see her naked in that one. I could be wrong about that, Tony. But you're right about Seventh Moon. Uh, anyways, until next time, Tony, beautiful Tony. Thank you for writing in. Go fuck yourself for voting for Syl. Um, Looks like that is it on the old emails. Let me just check this one more time. Yep, that's it. Uh, We got some voicemails, though. Let's check out these voicemails, shall we? Let's get down to our main man in Alabama. Here comes Alan. Oh, excuse me, Alan. The black sale of people that call into the podcast. Hey, Green, what's up? What's Hope up, everybody's Alan? Everybody's doing good. Uh, <clears throat> it's just me. Terradome, give me Silk. Okay. I have no. I mean, no, no, no. I want Whoop. the Xenomorph. That a boy. Silk Taker. Yeah, definitely give me the Xenomorph. Okay. Uh, Terradome or Ask Mister Darian. I have no idea. Hope everybody's doing good, man. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Beautiful. Did we wake you up, Alan? You sound like you're just getting out of bed. If we did, sorry. You know, I know this podcast can be a bit uh, invasive at times. <laughs> Let's get down to Southern California again. Here comes Miss Monica's pod boyfriend. It's the incomparable Tom Hardy. Hey, yo! How's my favorite degenerates this week? It's just me, oh, baby. Hope everyone is doing well. I'm fine. Everyone's hanging in there. Sure. Uh, anyway, on to the uh, Terror Dome. You what know, do you think? You got Sill and the Xenomorph. You and are correct. Goddamn, part of me wants to vote for Sill. Of course you do. So you can write some have Darian try and write a a bit about her trying to seduce, seduce a tomato. Seduce a fucking tomato. But uh, I got to go with logic on this one, the Xenomorph. Thank uh, you very much. You know, I don't think the Xenomorph even has sex. I think it just reproduces asexually with them eggs. I so, think you're correct, sir. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to go with the Xenomorph Thank over you. Still. Um, yeah, I was doing. I was on a streak. I was on a roll on uh, the educating department. Nothing? And, uh, Anything? You fucking, you got me. Damn so, it. I'm, I'm back to zero. All right. Uh, also on the immersion therapy, uh-huh. I was like, God, Darian, he's not going to get me again. He's I, 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 I'm not even going to look at this flick. It's probably some the coming Alpines? of age, you know. A woman comes to grips with her own sensuality and sexuality <laughs> in the turn of the century. I don't think France. we watched the, first, the same movie, but I said, sir. Fuck it. You know what? I'll give uh, old boy Gary another chance on the immersion therapy. What'd you the think? Alpines. Yeah. Uh, I got to say it's better than Pig. Okay. I'll take that. I will I'll settle element. for that. I mean, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it a horror flick, but... It wasn't bad. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It was just you know, 
It, I, I, it was I, very, in my opinion, it was too long for what it did. I agree. Um, I would agree with but, that. Uh, eh, whatever. To okay. Their own, I suppose. It's it wasn't the worst but, thing. Uh, now in the what are you looking at department? I you actually got? got to catch a couple of things, and I wanted to get uh, some thoughts on. Okay. What do you um, think? I got to catch the Shining. That's a good one. And uh, I was kind of decided I was going to go on a little uh, a little tour here of okay. um, you know kind of you know what's the scariest flicks out there. You know, right. uh, I caught Texas Chainsaw Massacre again Good recently. One. Yeah, The Shining. Right, and uh, you know, I'm planning on The Exorcist, of course. Sure, maybe The Thing. I was curious, what, not just yourselves, but the other inmates. Uh, any flicks that are actually scary um, that they want to share? You know, okay. Maybe some that aren't uh, as known. Maybe The Descent. You know, that, that that's might a good be another one. one that that's really, a good one. Uh, I thought was actually scary. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so I'm trying to take myself on a little tour of that. Sure. Um, I also uh, got to catch uh, the new Scream flick, Scream 5, and I don't okay. generally go out to the theaters much. Uh, in fact, the last time I went was um, Halloween, the 2018 one, not the new Halloween Kills. Cause okay. I've got to admit, I, I liked it, but I didn't think it was all that. But I wanted to see Scream, and I really wanted to be... GP'd. That'll happen. You knew that was coming, Tom Hardy. It, it, every week, you get it. So why, w- why would we break the GP streak now? He called back, though, so that's cool. G motherfucking Oh, hell team. yeah. Hell yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to check it out. And, uh, what you think? Before it got spoiled or whatever. Uh, all in all, I'd say pretty good. Okay. You know, not great, but uh, pretty good. Sure. One thing, I think... Uh, Inmates will be uh, happy about. They definitely stepped up the gore okay. on this one. I'm into that. Um, yeah, they stepped up the gore. The uh, you know twist of the, or the killer, or who it is, or whatever. I really don't want to say much. I I don't want to spoil it for okay. anybody. But all in all, I'd, I'd say pretty enjoyable. Had some good moments, some fun stuff. That's you know typical. Like yeah, I don't think so so much. But <laughs> all in all, I'd say pretty good flick, and okay. I'd recommend it. Right um, on. Oh, a couple of things from last week, if I may, Mr. Brock. Of course. Uh, last week you had mentioned that, you know, when it came to, like, the Final Destination flicks, you yeah. weren't much of a fan. Not really. I, I got to agree with you. I'm kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought, eh, it's kind of kind of a cool little thing, but, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just, like you said, you, just, you get some of these most exotic kills yeah. ever. And, uh, you got to show me It something. seems that that's really all it is about, is about how... How exotic can we make this kill? You know, yeah, and very. I don't elaborate. know for my horror, for my personal taste. I, I like a, a monster or yeah. a killer or a bad guy. Like you can fight. You yeah. know, even if you're gonna lose, like a like a Jason or you know, um, Freddy Krueger, just something you can actually fight. I'm but, with you. Uh, when it's like it's death, you can't even see death. You know, no. I don't know. For me, it didn't. Didn't didn't do much for me. Right on. Uh, question for you, Mr. Brock. Yes, How do you feel? You know what? Having what you felt was your superior combatant uh, kicked out of the tournament, but what you felt was an inferior combatant. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, even come down to wings. No, that's it's fine. A fucking tomato. How about that? Yeah, huh? it's a tomato. I guess now you know how it feels. Oh wow! Oh, one last thing, Mr. Brock. You All right. Mentioned last week that. Um, huh. Considering yourself, you considered yourself a six out of ten. You know, you, I've been you no, I've been told, and I just okay. want to give you, a, hey man, take it easy. Um, 
You know, I remember, like, dating these girls that had read the, the Cosmo and Mademoiselle, and they had those, like, yeah. quizzes and trivias. And one of the things they said was super important okay. was, like, a sense of humor. That's not me. So, I don't have you know, that. you know. <laughs> but they also said, like, a personality. I don't have that, that either. Personable. Again, no. No, so, no. You know, maybe you're at a four and a half. I don't know. Well, I, I, anyway, Carter Burke, take the week off. I got it. Anyway, just fucking with you. Love you like family. Bye now. Love you too, Tom Hardy. I get it. I'm not an attractive man. I've never claimed to be an attractive man. Um, I like to think that I have finer qualities, like, for example, my sensitivity. I'm very sen- <laughs> I can't even keep a straight face when I say that. <laughs> Let's talk about... He, he poses some good questions and some interesting points. Uh, let's talk about movies that we actually found scary. Um, a lot of that, I think, harkens back to nostalgia, Tom Hardy. And by that, I mean the age at which we were and sometimes the circumstances in which we saw some of these movies. Now, you could show me the scariest movie ever, but if you show it to me in a room full of friends... It, uh, I'm going to be fine. It's going to be, I'm not, I'm probably going to be too busy uh, heckling my buddy or staring at somebody's wife's boobs or something like I'm. It's not going to get the attention it deserves. But if you ask me about movies that kind of somewhat disturbed me um, in the aftermath, and I think that's where the general, the, the most impact of a horror film uh, lays. Because if you think about it, you see these movies in a the theater you know it's a movie, the credits roll, you get up, you go to your car, you go home, that's it. That's the end of your experience. But it's that car ride home. It's that walk through the parking garage. Now you've got all this stuff floating around in your head. And you maybe I don't know what movie you just saw. Maybe it was a slasher. Maybe it was a zombie thing. Now, whatever sound you hear outside of your vehicle or whatever twig snaps as you walk across the parking lot, that sound just became that slasher or that zombie or that werewolf or whatever it was. So speaking in that regards, the ones that stuck stuck with me the most uh, of the most recent memory anyway, and not speaking just out of nostalgia, out of nostalgia, I would say the scariest movie, the one that really wrecked me as a kid is a, (laughs) there's two of them. And they're both pretty embarrassing. First one is Creepshow 2. Uh, I don't know why, but I had nightmares for a complete summer uh, about waking up in the middle of the night and finding that schmutz, that crud in the, uh, in the lake and from the raft story, finding that, that stuff all over my bedroom floor and not being able to get out of bed. Uh, the other one is even worse. It's a made-for-TV movie called, I believe it was called The Haunted. It starred Sally Kirkland and a bunch of nobodies, and it was one of these based on true events uh, situations. Um, It 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 wrecked me as a kid because I was terrified of ghosts after a certain unsolved mysteries Halloween special, and that one was like a very malicious kind of a thing. And it really, I I, recently it popped up on Shutter like two years ago, and I watched it again, and it was terrible. It is a horrible movie. The special effects sucked. Sally Kirkland is a terrible actress. And it was made for TV, which makes it even worse in a way. Now, that being on the the nostalgia side, let's put that away for a second and talk about some movies that have kind of 
permeated with me and stuck with me throughout the dark nights and the lonely uh, nights at the office back when I was on Swing Shift. Uh, I would point you to The Dark and the Wicked. There is some great scares in that movie, some very unsettling imagery as far as uh, the way the the demon or whatever it is fucks with this brother and sister on this rural farm. Um, Lovely Molly, the aforementioned Lovely Molly. I would implore you if you're going to watch this one to not watch the bonus features. Because if you just watch the movie, it's very open-ended as far as artistic interpretation. And you kind of decide who the antagonist is. It could be her drug addiction. It could be her, the ghost of her dead father. It could be this demonic thing out in the woods. Yeah, and you kind of have to put that all together for yourself. Um, if you watch the bonus features, you're going to get all the answers you need. And it's, kinda, it's actually kind of disappointing when you find out what's really going on there. It's, it brings like some interesting lore to the movie. There's a whole background thing. I think, I think you're better off not knowing that. That's just my opinion. Those are some of my favorites. I've rattled on uh, long enough about uh, this stuff and all this listener mail. Thank you guys very much for writing in. Uh, Tom Hardy, Alan, for calling. Uh, Tony, Carter Burke, go fuck yourself again. Uh, Cat, Cowboy, Freddy, Tim, Kevin, the rest of you beautiful people. Crackhouse Matt, making his dramatic return to the podcast. I love him dearly. All right, you guys, let's continue the Resident Evil train rolling right through this fucking podcast. <laughs> let's get into extinction, goddammit. Take a sample of her blood, then get rid of that. These clones are not working. The original Alice is the key. Find her, then we can return to the surface. Sorry about this, Stevie. It really is the end of the world. What happened to it? Guess you must have taken it back. We lost half of the convoy. Pretty soon there'll be more of us dead than alive. Okay, spread out. Look for anything of use. Gas, food, ammo. You know the drill. What's going on? Since eating on infected flesh. My senses have detected Alice. Her powers appear to have grown at a geometric rate. I can have a strike team ready within the hour. Everyone is scared. Good thing we like a challenge. Make sure she's dead. I'm coming for you. Shut her down. Oh. We fought the infection. We survived the apocalypse. Now, we face extinction.
Yeah, that is Resident Evil Exten- Extinction from 2007. This one is also coming in at 6.2 stars on IMDb to match Resident Evil Apocalypse. This one is directed by Russell Mulcahy and or directed by Russell Mulcahy, written by Paul W. S. Anderson. It's got a solid R rating. Stars Mia Jovovich, Ali Larder, and Spencer Locke. We also have Oded Fair coming back and Mike Epps also. No, um, what was her name? Uh, Sienna Guillory though, as uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jill Valentine. And furthermore, no mention of her at all. We'll get into that in a second. So if you'll recall, inmates, we left our uh, these loved characters, <laughs> this, this uh, cherished uh, ensemble cast, just after um, Jill Valentine, uh, Alvera, and LJ broke Alice out of the uh, Umbrella facility, which we'll, we'll find out now, I guess, was in Detroit. And uh, they, were, they were making an escape, and... Dr. Jonah Mormont from Game of Thrones gave her the okay to go because she is Project Alice, and apparently he can patch into her eyeballs and watch where she is and what she's doing at any time. So he gave her the go-ahead. Now we're going to cut to, I guess, a couple years later. The T-virus has officially broken loose and has ravaged the world. It's We're post-apocalyptic now. We're in Mad Max land. And what the fuck happened from the end of... Uh, apocalypse to the beginning of extin- extinction it is never really addressed or talked about. I mean, we get a brief monologue at the very beginning from Mia Jovovich saying, oh, the T-virus ravaged the entire world and the sea started drying up and all this other stuff. The animals got the T-virus and they got infected. We can't eat the animals anymore and all kinds of fun shit. Basically, about a paragraph and a half worth of the world is fucked handful of survivors that's where we're going to pick this up okay all right fair enough i'm with you so far now i think i think cat actually nailed this this whole franchise what you got to do is number one what i need to do number one stop comparing it to the video games because they are two completely different entities not having anything to do with each other at all really the only thing the movies took from the video games is some names and a very loose plot line in which to tie together a bunch of action sequences. And that's about it, really. And every now and then they drop us a little a little nugget, like naming a character Jill Valentine, or in this case, Claire Redfield. And you're like, ooh, there it is, finally going to get... And then we go off on some bizarro uh, Mad Max tangent into uh, nothing that has anything to do with anything. Now, I'm a big fan of the video games, not a big fan of the movies, but I'm going to try to watch the rest of these movies as if I had never played the video games. That being said, they're still not very good. (laughs) Okay, back to our uh, loosely strewn together plot line here. So we're going to pick things up in like, I guess like all of North America is just one big empty desert now. So that really sucks. We're going to pick it up with Alice, who apparently has left her group. So we can forget about Jill Valentine, uh, Alvera, the mercenary. I guess his first name is Carlos. We'll figure that out in a minute. And LJ, because she is off on her own, Alice is. And she's just cruising around this desert on a motorcycle, uh, doing what and what the point of that was, I have no idea, but we're just going to have to sign off on that. 
So she's cruising around the desert on a motorcycle. Uh, apparently, this desert encompasses all of North America. We'll know this because she f- cruises right past a Welcome to Salt Lake City sign. It's okay. All right. Fair enough. And I guess most of the city is gone also. Um, as she's driving around, she picks up a radio signal uh, from a like a weird radio station. And it's basically somebody screaming for help. We have kids in here. We need food and water. And there's those things are crawling all over the place. Help get us out of here. Help, help, help. So she picks up this radio signal. How she's listening to a radio on a motorcycle, I have no idea. But she goes to the radio station. How she finds the radio station, I have no idea. Where she immediately gets attacked and jumped. And we find out that this uh, broadcast signal is just a ruse to get people to the radio station where there is a gang of cannibals there to capture her and eat her. Now, we've seen Alice in action, right? We've seen her do like all those fun kick flips and throwing people around. And she can, as we saw at the end of the last movie, she can make all the blood come out of your head just by looking at you and giving you the fuck me eyes. But somehow... Not to pick this movie apart, she is immediately subdued by this gang of chuckleheads and their overweight mother. Okay, all right, interesting. They knock her out, and they tie her up, and they make a lot of sexual innuendo. And to be fair, Alice is not... (sighs) She... (laughs) I understand this is a Hollywood trope. It's the post-apocalypse this is Mia Jovovich we're talking about, who's very attractive and has a very nice body. Um, we can't make her look like a bag lady. So what they gave her instead was like some functional lingerie, I think is the best way to describe her outfit. She's got like the big heavy trench coat, as one would expect in an apocalyptic thing. But underneath that, she has like a garter jump onesie kind of a deal but it's like held together with the garter belt straps on the legs i don't know it's very it looks like something you'd pay a lot of money for and it's astoundingly clean considering you know there's no uh washer or dryer hookups or anything like that so i don't know not very not in any way tactical but i'll whatever i guess we just have to sign off on this uh, she gets locked up, of course, by these cannibal chuckleheads. I'm just going to have to cruise through these action sequences because I can't describe them with all the explosions and the kickflips and all that. They try to, she kills one of them with a kick to the face. All right. Now, if you thought the zombies getting their necks snapped in the last two movies was dumb, wait till I tell you how this one goes down. <laughs> it's about to, it's about to ramp up the stupid uh, the stupid kill scenes with the zombies here in a minute. Uh, she kicks one of the rubes in the face and kills him. This is this pisses off the rest of the rubes. So they throw her like in this dog fighting arena where they have a bunch of these zombie dogs tied up. Um, she kills a bunch of them and gets free and manages to pull down one of the girders of the place, collapsing the roof. Uh, they were all watching her from the ceiling, by the way, so they all get dumped into the zombie dog fighting pit also. And then she uses that ramp to get up and out back to her motorcycle and take off across the desert while all the cannibals get eaten by the zombie dogs, of course. Now, I would love to tell you that that somehow plays into the storyline later. It does not. It was completely unnecessary, but 
most of the action sequences in these movies are, as we've found out from the last movie. Really, not a lot of story here. Not a lot of plot line, just a loose character thread in between nonsensical action sequences. So that was the first one. We have many more to go. Um, From there, we're going to cut across the desert to Nevada, somewhere in rural Nevada, where we have, we're going to pick up with LJ and Oliveira. Now, they have put together a band of about 50 survivors in a Mad Max-esque convoy that is being led by Claire Redfield. Now, let's pretend that we never played the video games and we don't know the name Claire Redfield. So, if you have, just forget all that. Forget all the video games. Forget about the Redfield character. Forget forget all of it. Um, What we have here is a... uh, She's a she's a tough a tough chick, and she uh, even though everybody's dressed like they they shop at Eddie Bauer, uh, she's got like the aviator glasses and the finger fingerless gloves and some very form fitting uh, jeans. She's played by Allie Larder, who is a very attractive uh, young actress, um, and she they did a good job of showcasing her assets. If you understand what I'm saying, and I think you do. Um, she is like somehow the leader of this whole thing, and she has taken on uh, Alvera and LJ. And we, we, she's got like a whole cast of characters here. We have a uh, AV guy who like watches all the video cameras. We have Ashante, Ashanti, uh, the hip hop artist. She plays some kind of a nurse uh, medic type of a lady. Um, what? Who else do we have? We have random cowboy who is some kind of a sniper, and he drives the gas rig, which is important to note that they have a gas truck that is almost bone dry, so they need more gas. And they're basically just combing the Nevada desert looking for small towns to pick clean so that they can move before they move on to the next one because if they stop moving, then the zombies will, I guess, find them and you know start eating them too, so we don't want that. Really, I don't know why they feel the need to stop moving. As somebody who lives in northern Nevada, I can tell you there are many small towns out there where once you kill five or six zombies, you're going to be good probably for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Other zombies aren't going to make it to that town. They have to walk across like mountains and deserts and shit to get there. I don't even like driving to these fucking places. You think I'm going to walk? No. You could You could hold up in one of these towns... Probably be okay for quite some time. Anyway, they decide they need to keep moving. Uh, they come across a small... It's not a town. It's really just a hotel, like a like a motor lodge and a gas station. So they stop there. They, uh, they try to get somebody on the radio, see if anybody's alive in there. There's nobody in there. Uh, Alvera and LJ go in to check the place out. And unfortunately... This is where LJ gets bit by a zombie, right in the chest. Uh, He doesn't tell anybody, though, which is kind of a dick move. And we find out he's got kind of a thing going with Ashanti. Uh, She comes in. She's like, ooh, your place or mine, big boy. He's like, I'm going to get with you later, girl. Damn. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he doesn't tell her that he got bit. He just acts like he's, you know, got, got a couple of scrapes. Uh, they hang out there, they set up their security perimeter, they decide they're going to spend the night there. That night, we're going to cut back to Alice, who is somewhere out in the same vicinity desert. 
Uh, Alice falls asleep. She builds herself a little campfire, campsite there, falls asleep and has a nightmare about all of the, like a PTSD nightmare. Okay. And while she's in this PTSD nightmare, all the stuff around her campsite starts levitating by itself, including her motorcycle. And when she wakes up from the, the nightmare, the motorcycle crashes to the ground from about 12 feet in the air and shatters into a bunch of pieces, and she no longer has any, any transportation. So basically what they're telling us, boys, is that they have turned Alice into Carrie White, and um, look out for that. Now, while all that was going on, we're going to cut to another underground hive umbrella facility, Okay where at the beginning of the movie, they were running tests and they were basically trying to reproduce a perfect clone of Alice. And in order to do that, they just made like a small army of Alice's and they've been running her through this test facility, which is I think is supposed to be like the first, I don't know, half hour of the first movie. So she wakes up in the shower, she walks around, like three rooms of the mansion. She finds that laser hallway. Uh, and then if she makes it out of there, then she goes to a, a room with some booby traps. And most of the Alice's, well, actually all of the Alice's, get killed in the booby trap hallway. And thus they have a big ditch full of dead Alice's right outside their facility there. This this hive is cleverly described, uh, dis- disguised as a shack in the middle of the desert with a chain link fence around it, but is slowly being surrounded by a horde of zombies. I think it was supposed to be kind of Day of the Dead-esque, except it didn't really work that way. (laughs) I don't know. You're not really fooling anybody with this shack here. You don't need it because there's nobody other than zombies alive for thousands of miles. Why even bother with the underground thing? Just build a big fort and, I don't know, whatever. It was cool. I guess for the aesthetic, it was something. Uh, Dr. Jonah Mormont is running this whole shit, and he's trying to track down the original Alice. Now, at the end of the second movie, he's the one that let her go to begin with, because I guess he thought he could, you know, he activated Project Alice, and then he could monitor through her eyeballs, right? So how the fuck did she get away if that was, I don't know, we're never going to get an explanation. Uh, he has to have a like a hologram meeting with his bosses that include Albert Wesker from the video game. Not really, but they tried. <laughs> In which he basically says he's going to try to domesticate the zombies and train them and uh, give them basic memory function back and then kind of train them on how to be civilized again. That's what he wants to do. And in order to complete that, he needs Alice or a reasonable facsimile thereof, but he can't because all of the clone Alices keep getting killed, and he, for whatever reason, he can't seem to track down the original Alice. All right, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, but I'm willing to sign off it, on it, I suppose. Cut to the next morning, all right? Uh, the convoy encampment, whatever you call it, they start waking up. They realize they are... surrounded by thousands of crows all over. It's a very um, Albert Hitchcock-esque scene where these hundreds of thousands of crows have like perched on the 
motel roof and they're all over the vehicles and they're on the power lines outside and they're circling above, but they're not really doing anything. They're just watching the vehicles and everybody is asleep in the vehicles. So that's good. They're kind of safe for the moment. So they get on their radios. They start talking to each other. They're like, okay, this is creepy as shit. We should probably just uh, fire it up and get the fuck out of here. Excellent idea. They start all the engines, start moving. Unfortunately, the school bus, which had uh, like, I don't know, 30 or 40 survivors in it, uh, gets stuck in the sand. So, shit. We need to evacuate the school bus, get them onto one of the other trucks, and we can go from there. Uh, Unfortunately, in the process of doing that, like, I don't know, 15, 20 people get killed by the birds. Um, Random cowboy hat guy gets it. Uh, random fat guy gets it, uh, random teenage girl gets it, um, I think random older lady gets it. In the this chaos and confusion, unfortunately, Ashanti has to uh, lock herself in the school bus to buy the other survivors some more time with all the birds. She gets it also. Very sad. She looked good. She looked really good in this movie. Uh, very sad. Um, I, I guess the... The fucking school bus had a flamethrower on the roof? That seems wildly irresponsible <laughs> to me. I don't think that's the best place for that, but it's got a flamethrower on the roof. Um, one of the random survivor guy in shorts climbs up on there and opens up with the flamethrower on the birds. Now, while all that's going on, we're going to cut, I don't know, a mile or two away where apparently Alice was camped much closer than we thought, because all of a sudden she's in walking distance of the the convoy. So she sees all the birds circling, and she's now on foot, mind you. She hauls ass over one or two sand dunes and sees all this shit going on, and this knucklehead with the flamethrower. So she goes running up, uh, the flamethrower guy is a, like trying to roast the birds, but there's one little girl that comes running out. So Alvera runs and like, like he's going to shield her from the flames using his body. But Alice gets there at the same time and does a Jean Grey, Dark Phoenix firestorm kind of a thing, and like stops the flames from hitting Alvera and channels them up into the sky and creates a giant firestorm which roasts all the infected birds. And they start raining down on, like, dead birds are raining down on them. And then once, of course, that's done, uh, Alice collapses. And Alvaro's like, Alice, it's you. And woo, woo wee. <laughs> that was nonsensical action sequence number two. Uh, I guess a couple hours later, Alice wakes up. Uh, unfortunately, though, like, this whole, fu- like... This desert, it, uh, it feels to me like it's less than 30 miles, uh, square, 30 square miles. So this desert includes the Umbrella Facility, the dilapidated uh, hotel where the convoy was, and Random Alice, who was just cruising along in the desert. Funny that they should all end up at about the same point in time together, right? That seems a bit, bit like lazy writing, perhaps. I don't know. Whatever. I don't. Whatever you want to say. Uh, so that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately when Alice used this, uh, psychic power of hers, it set off some kind of an alarm back at the umbrella facility for Dr. Jonah Mormont, who, by the way, 
has uh, engineered himself a facsimile of the Red Queen. But now it's not just a red hologram. It's like a full color hologram. And she's wearing a white nightgown. So he calls her the White Queen. Very clever, Dr. Jor- Jonah Mormont. Uh, he gets like the ping. Oh, a psychic activity in the desert about 30 miles from here. Excellent. Let's uh, mobilize a umbrella team. Uh, get the satellite imaging and all that shit. He has to like fabricate Wesker's voice in order to get this okayed by his superior, I guess. I don't know. Uh, he zeroes in, figures out, oh, yeah, that's Alice. Definitely. Look at her. It's like a 64% match. Let's go get her. And you're like, okay, uh, let's let's get that operation on the launch, launch pad. He has to, of course, fake a bunch of signatures and shit like that to do it. Uh, in the meantime, Alice wakes up and she kind of looks around, uh, figures out that, you know, here's this band of survivors. I got to get out of here because Umbrella's going to find me for sure and they're going to come kill all of us to get to me, which is, by the way, why I left you guys the first time. They're like, yeah, okay. Uh, by the way, Alice found a notebook that says that ever, there's like a infection-free zone in Alaska. So she's like, hey, why don't we go to Alaska? And uh, what's her name there? Claire Redfield is like, I, I don't know. I don't know if Alaska is a good idea. And they're like, well, I mean, it's better than what we're doing now, just driving around aimlessly in the desert. At least now we'll have like a destination in mind. So she, they put it to a vote. They decide, yeah, we'll go to Alaska. Unfortunately, we don't have any gas or food. So we got to do like a supply run, and we're out of small towns in Nevada to hit up. So Claire is like, well, we got to go to Vegas. We got to go to Vegas. We're going to go get some gas in Vegas. So they mount up. There's only about uh, 20 of them left now, and there's only like three vehicles. So they mount up. They get the gas truck, the news van, the Hummer, which is taking point. LJ still hasn't told anybody that he's been bit by a zombie. And he is deteriorating rapidly, which sucks. I was starting to like him a little bit. Uh, Off they go to Vegas. Dr. Jonah Mormont is watching this whole thing on satellite imaging. And by the way, uh, using some other T-virus strain, he's created like super zombies, which are extra aggressive, run super fast, and can really kick the shit out of people. Unfortunately, we're going to find out in a minute... uh, that's not exactly the case. So anyway, I'll explain. Just hang out with me here. Uh, he loads up a Connex box full of these super zombies. He figured out what they're doing, but just by watching the satellite imaging, they're going to Vegas to try to resupply. So he loads himself up a Connex box full of these super zombies, dro- flies it over to Vegas, and drops it right in front of a gas pump. Off they go to Vegas. When they get there, Vegas is like completely covered in sand, and there's not a single zombie in sight. So they're like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. There's no zombies. Although all those fucking birds must have just came and picked them all clean. So we kind of got the whole town to ourselves. How kick-ass is that? Oh, by the way, what's that giant Connex box over there doing by the gas pumps? We should open that up and see what's in there, huh? So they start poking around at the Connex box. Alice is like, I don't know. I don't know if we want to open this. And then, of course, it flies open. And... I don't know how many of you guys are ex-military like me. I know Tony is. Uh, I've been around a Connex box or two in my day. Uh, I'm Shit you not, I think 200 of these super zombies came out of a Connex box. Connex box, by the way, is about the size of a rail car. 
Uh, maybe actually probably a little bit smaller. I Probably just seeing the, the stream of zombies come running out of the box, there had to be at least 150 to 200, which, eh, it's like those clown cars. You know what I mean? You can't pack that many fucking zombies in one of those things. Anyway, uh, nonsensical action sequence number three. Uh, we lose our sniper guy. We lose the AV guy. Uh, random fat guy number two gets it. Flannel guy gets it. Uh, backwards baseball hat guy gets it. Um, really? Oh, this is when uh, LJ goes full zombie mode. Um, we meet uh, like a little side character named Kmart. Uh, played by Spencer Luck, who is very attractive. Uh, she's like a budding teenager. She goes by Kmart because that's where they found her. She has to kill LJ because, you know, he goes full zombie and attacks her. She's got to shoot him in the head. Uh, Alice goes full crouching tiger hidden dragon with a pair of banana blades. And this is where we get even dumber with this. I know that we want to just turn our brains off and just enjoy the action here. But she is running around slitting the throats and stabbing zombies in the gut, and they go down and stay down. And these are supposed to be super zombies, my friends. Super zombies. And you can stab them and they go down. Come on, man. Come on. I If this, if this was a 28 Days Later installment, I'd be with you. I'd be 100% with you. It's not. These are supposed to be living, dead zombies. You can't stab them in the chest and kill them. That doesn't count. That takes away from the the, the scariness of the zombie. Part of the, the zombie mythos is that they're already dead. That's why they can't be killed. You can't kill them again with just stabbing them in the chest, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. You know better than that, sir. And so do you, uh, Russell Mulcahy. If that is, in fact, your real name. <laughs> it probably isn't. It probably isn't his real name. Uh, and that kind of pissed me off. Uh, not too far from there, on a rooftop of um, one of the, the Vegas casinos, is like a CENTCOM set up by Jonah Mormont. He's got some umbrella mercs with him, and he's monitoring Alice. Okay? Uh, halfway through this stab fest of hers, uh, he just g- gives the okay to shut her down. So apparently they can do that. They can just type in some computer codes and shut Alice down. And that's exactly what happens. She just kind of stops and like stares off in the distance. And they're like, okay, she's shut down. And then all this action is going on. All these guys are getting killed all around her. Um, it's it's great. It's a lot of explosions and gunshots. And I'm out of bullets. And all these guys getting eaten. And then uh, somehow she just turns herself back on after taking a 15-minute break and starts killing guys again. Uh, they manage to patch back into her via the uh, satellite, but by then she has used her super Alice power to track them down, probably using the same satellite to their CENTCOM tent on the Vegas roof. So she goes running up there. They're like, hey, where is she? Oh, shit, she's right outside of our tent here. Shit, God, shut her down, shut her down again. Um Alice gets there, kicks the shit out of everybody. Uh, in the, the throes of this nonsensical ac- action sequence, Jonah Mormont gets bit by a zombie. But he makes it onto the helicopter and gets evac'd back to the Umbrella Hive facility. So good for him. 
Uh, turns out the Umbrella Hive facility is just outside of Vegas, and it wasn't that hard to find once uh, they get clear of the zombies. This time, uh, Olvera gets bit also, but he at least fesses up to it. So really, all we have left of our band of merry survivors is uh, Claire Redfield, Kmart, uh, and Olvera, and of course, Alice. And Olvera's been bit. So, using the computers left behind by the Umbrella team, Alice manages to find the location of the Umbrella facility, which is apparently like three blocks away from where they were. And they go there, and what they, they see the shack, uh, they see the fence, they see the hordes of zombies surrounding it. They're like, we need a way in. So, Alvera, already having been bit, decides he's going to be the hero of the day. He loads up the gas truck with what little gas is left in there, and he goes plowing through the zombies, uh, and then once he gets to, it's loaded with dynamite also, once he gets through the gate, he lights the dynamite, uh, smokes a joint, of course, and then blows himself up, killing the majority of the zombies, and gets away into the fence there. So once they get inside, uh, Claire Redfield and uh, Kmart, decide to steal the one, uh, an umbrella helicopter because apparently Claire Redfield knows how to fly a helicopter all of a sudden, and they're going to use that to get to Alaska. That's not going to work. I'm not going to bore you with the details and the physics of how far one of those helicopters can go, but uh, that's what they do. Alice is like, I have to finish this. I'm going to go down into the hive and kick some more ass. So she does just that. Now, once Jonah Mormont got back to the Hive facility, he had to immediately start shooting himself up with the T-virus antibodies, but he shot way too much. And he turned, he started to mutate, and he killed everybody else in the Hive, except for him, uh, the White Queen, White Queen uh, hologram, and this army of uh, clone Alice's, right? So this part is actually kind of cool because it's a bit of a throwback to the video game. Uh, Jonah Mormont basically turns into Tyrant, whom we'll recognize as the predecessor of the Nemesis Project. Uh, Tyrant is a pretty nasty customer. He's got tentacles, and he can regenerate, and he's super strong and fast and all that shit. Uh, once Alice gets down there, the White Queen starts helping her. She's like, hey, uh, you gotta, I can keep him contained for a little bit, but not forever. you got to find a way to get down there and kill him. And by the way, I've got a cure for the T-virus. Um, it's not going to bring any of the zombies back, but it'll at least you know, make it so it doesn't spread anymore. So I just need your DNA. I need you to kill that thing in the basement, and then we can work on putting uh, the world back together. Let's do that. Okay, yeah. So Alice goes down there to fight uh, high, uh, the tyrant, Jonah Mormont. Uh, in doing so, though, she comes across the army of clones, which are like in these Matrix-esque water bubble things. Um, I don't know. They just seem to be floating in, wa- in random water bubbles, like not really containers. They're just big balls of water. I don't know how to explain it. It's very silly. Uh, one of them gets like let out of the water bubble and she gets out and she's like, what the fuck? And then she starts having all these flashbacks. Uh, while that's going on, original Alice is fighting, uh, the, um, uh, tyrant. Uh, she's using her Alice special powers and kicking the shit out of it and throwing the banana blades at it. And eventually she manages, well, she doesn't really manage to, she lures the, uh, the tyrant into the laser hallway thing 
where Alice knows how to get out of that because she now has the memories of all the Alices who have come before her and figured out the laser hallway. Tyrant knows it, but he's too um, hell-bent on getting Alice, so he runs in there after her. She jumps up into the air ducts, and then the laser grid pops out and basically liquefies uh, the Tyrant. And then uh, Alice and now Alice number two come out, and they're like, hey, we can make the whole world a nice place again with our army of Alice's. So they hop on an umbrella hologram uh, meeting where original Alice comes in and she's like, hello, gentlemen, I'm here to fuck your shit up. I'll be coming to pay you all a visit eventually, and I'm going to kill all of you and put the world back together. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And then she peace, peace outs the meeting, and uh, that's, uh, that's pretty much the end of your movie there. That's, that's it. So, um, not very good, but like Kat said, if you cannot think about the video games, not think about much of a story, just chill out, watch uh, Hot Mia Jovovich throw roundhouse kicks at zombies, not think about zombies or how they're supposed to die or not die for that matter. Uh, If you can just enjoy it on that level, good for you. Hard for me to do. (laughs) Um, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to to get into this shit. So there's that. Uh, I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to, I don't know, maybe do a shot or something. I'll come back in in a minute. Somebody help me 
inmates. If you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I'm back. <clears throat> you know, I... The one thing I... I mean, I get it. It's a Hollywood thing. But the one thing I never understood is the attractiveness of people in the post-apocalypse. You know what I mean? You take Oded Fair in this movie. Perfect five o'clock shadow. <laughs> uh, nicely gelled, spiky hair, looking lean and mean. Come on. What was the last time you think, if this was a real situation, you think he would have time to shave every morning? No, no. Uh, I, get, I get it. You know, it's Hollywood. You want attractive people playing these roles. But if it's a post-apocalypse, let's give him a beard, you know? Put some schmutz on his face. Make him make him look at least look like he stinks. This guy looks like he just walked out of a cologne commercial. All right, just a little thought I had there. Are you guys ready to get into this week's Terradome? No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy. I'll kill you all. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with this blind, pale, emotional face. The blackest eyes. The devil. To the Terradome. Let's do it. Uh, no matchup this week's this week, inmates, as we are about to close out the semifinals. I will announce the conference championships, though. But first, we have to discuss last week's winner. Amidst the testosterone and heat created by the human military, Sill detected something else in the station's tunnels. Something primordial, feral, and very dangerous. The humans had their uses, but would not be able to protect her for long. The creature's predatory nature became its undoing. Unable to perceive Syl as a threat, luring the alien into an airlock was easy. Getting out in time to watch the thing eject into the void space was more of a challenge, but she managed. With a vote of ten to nine, Syl advances over the xenomorph. Alright, now we're just being silly with this fucking pterodome, aren't we? We've got a tomato going up against Sill from the fucking species movies. Let's take a look at the conference championships, shall we? In the, uh, what do we have here? In the Asylum Conference, we are going to have Freddy versus Pyramid Head. And in the Inferno Conference, we're going to have the tomato 
versus Sill. You fucking assholes. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying yourselves, you pricks. I do have a Patreon campaign going if anybody feels like paying me for this. I know you don't, you animals. Uh, that's it. That's the Terra Dome for the week. We will pick it up with the conference championships next week. Uh, in the meantime, get me any thoughts you have. Any future Terrado matchups you'd like to see? The mental health hotline is area code seven seven five three eight seven zero two seven five, or on the regular email, the padded room two thousand eleven at hotmail dot com. Think about that. I got to watch a few uh, movies this week. Let's do a little. What are you looking at? Shall we? What are you looking at? Uh, The Final Wish from 2018. This is kind of a monkey's paw situation. I watched this one on Prime. Uh, I think it's also on Tubi if you want to watch it there. Uh, Lynn Shea in this one. Not a bad show. It's kind of a be careful what you wish for. Wishmaster kind of a thing. I'm not going to ruin it for you. There's some pretty good scenes in there, though. Definitely worth checking out. A lot of people raving about it. I don't think it's that good. It's not bad. It's okay. It's worth checking out. I'll leave it at that. Uh, The Runner from 2022. This one is pretty interesting. It really boils down to a 40-minute music video, which is kind of a weird concept. There's like an album out by this band... Boy Harsher is the name of the band. It's very synth-heavy, very retro. Not a bad... As far as soundtracks go, it's pretty cool. But the movie itself is only about 40 minutes long. I believe it's about a psycho chick who just goes around killing people. It's mainly music montages. It's worth watching if you got 40 minutes to kill. You can find this one on Shudder. Terror in the Isles from 1984. Remember this, Jim? Uh, this is basically just a loose collection of scenes from uh, mid-70s to early 80s horror movies, um, narrated and somewhat you know, pieced together by Donald Pleasance and Nancy Allen. I can't tell you how many times I rented this thing when I was a kid. This was like my gateway drug to horror movies because I saw all these clips and I thought they, they don't really identify any of the movies. They're just, hey, here's a bunch of chicks running around. Uh, I always wanted to get to the bottom of all of these movies and f- watch them and like figure out what was going on, what the context of all these clips were. Watching it now, it's still pretty good. I mean, it's it is what it is. Uh, a lot of uh, coming to realize now, a lot of the movies that they showed clips for weren't horror movies. There was like a, a Sylvester Stallone movie in there, um, some random cop movie with Wings Hauser. Uh, Vice Squad, remember that? Um, there's a lot, like a lot of those were more action movies than they were horror movies. Uh, I watched that, and I watched Tailgate from 2019. This one is a Danish film about a family on a road trip that runs afoul of a guy on the freeway, and then he starts following him. And uh, it, there's some, it's, I would, there's some very comedic moments. I don't know that I would call it a comedy though. 
Uh, this guy's method of killing people is spraying them with uh, pesticides <laughs> for, through one of those uh, fire extinguisher backpack things. You know what I'm talking about? Where you got to pump it and then you got to you got to hose it down with it. It's a very involved killing process because like he's got to go in his van, get the thing, pump it up, put the backpack on, then try to track you down because that thing is heavy and the killer is this old guy too. And then he's got to find a way to deliver the pesticide to you. It's, it's a whole process, dude. Uh, it's not a bad show. Worth checking out if you don't mind subtitles. That one's on Shudder also. Uh, Tailgate, it's actually called Boomper or something like that. If you're looking for it on IMDb, just go to Shudder. It's Tailgate there. That's the best way to find it. That's all I'm looking at, inmates. How about some immersion therapy? Immersion therapy. Did you get a chance to check out The Alpines on Netflix Prime? Not a bad show. A couple of problems here. Number one, this pissed me off the most. They telegraph the ending. When you start off with one of the characters in a therapist's office, uh, you're basically telling me, you're basically playing that card up front telling me that's that's your problem right there so going through the rest of the movie and i'm not going to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it um there's a lot of psychological manipulation and people getting played against each other and oh this one cheated on that one and this one's kind of jealous of this one and so on and so forth um i can tell you right now who the mastermind behind this is it's the guy that was sitting in the therapist chair at the beginning of the movie and that's exactly how it played out. Um, it's kind of a weak writing synopsis, though, because you have all these characters with this troubled, problematic past of interwoven romantic relationships, this one cheating on that one, that one leaving this one to be with that one, some kind of a weird drug thing between this guy and that guy. And then you're left with the question of, why would all these people come together at a cabin in the woods for a weekend. And that is kind of dumb, actually. <laughs> so the pre- that's exactly your premise. And then you're left scratching your head as to, okay, you're telling me that though these two used to be together, but she left him to be with that guy. Why would the first guy show up for this weekend to pine over his lost girlfriend who is now happily married to the hunky dude with the comb over? Why would you... Why, Okay, you're not really explaining that. You know what I mean? That's kind of lazy writing. I get it. Uh, You don't really have time to get into it because, you know, budget constraints or whatever, or we just have to kind of sign off on it if we're invested in this movie. But, that, you know, that's that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. We could find a better way. We could make these characters more in-depth than just having them all hate each other and yet still show up to hang out with each other for a full weekend. Doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Other than that, it wasn't a bad show, I thought. Uh, Had me invested. I'm not going to watch it again now that I know... Well, I mean, you already know the ending. Your immersion therapy for this week is going to be The Whole Truth. Uh, This one is on Netflix. It's from 2021. It is uh, Indonesian. It stars Sutada Uda... 
Oh, shit. Udom Silp and Natapat Niminjimarawat. It is Indonesian. Good news. English dubbing is available on this one. It's two hours long, though, inmates. And all I know is it's a horror movie and it involves a hole in the wall. So maybe it's some kind of a glory hole thing. I don't know. Check that out, inmates. I will do the same and we can compare notes next week. Now, however, I'm afraid you must educate me yet again. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. I am a Chinese-American, newly engaged to an American girl, and I would like to take her back to my homeland for their uh, one of their native celebrations and meet my extended family back there while we're there. It's going to be great. They're going to love her. She's going to love them. We're going to have a great time. I really hope some fucking cab driver doesn't drop us off in the middle of nowhere during this demonic lunar cycle so that we get sacrificed to a, a gang of subterranean demons. Fuck me if that isn't exactly what just happened. I'm talking about Seventh Moon, which is a really good movie, horror-wise. Um, the demons in this thing, they all look like Quan Chi from Mortal Kombat. And that is a pretty scary look uh, to be chased around by in the woods at night in China. And the way the townspeople kind of coordinate and try to feed them to the demons they like start screaming in chinese whenever they come around they're not going to help them obviously right so that's that's pretty creepy that's a great show if you haven't seen it it's another one of those um ghost house underground movies probably the best out of that whole lot if you ask me all right who might i be this week you ask well so i work the late shift at the local morgue And I also have this weird gift uh, where once the dead bodies come into my morgue, they, for some reason, like to talk to me and divulge all kinds of secrets. Uh, Sometimes it's, you know, I'm really going to miss my wife or whatever. Most of the time, I just kind of, okay, I'm sorry you're dead. I'm going to go ahead and embalm you now, and we'll get you off into the cemetery as fast as we can. Because to be honest with you, it kind of freaks me out talking to dead guys. But wouldn't you know, the local fucking asshole that hates me, died, good riddance to him, he gets into my morgue and starts telling me about how my fucking wife is cheating on me. Son of a bitch! Well, now I have a bit of a problem on my hands. So I have to deal with this now, and uh, more corpses are going to start piling up, and I'm going to find myself in a real weird scenario. So there's that. (laughs) A weirder scenario than these talking corpses in my uh, possibly cheating wife. Who might I be, inmates, you ask? Tune in next week, and I will drop all the details on you. In the meantime, I think that's about going to do it for me this week. Thank you again very much for joining me. I hope you enjoy this show. I hope you enjoy, find some enjoyment in the Resident Evil franchise. I'm learning to stop thinking about it and stop thinking about the video game and just kind of enjoy the kickflips and the explosions, because that's really all these movies are boiling down to. Join me next week for Resident Evil Afterlife, obviously. Uh, We do have a Patreon campaign running, if anybody feels like chipping in. 
your donations go towards shutter subscriptions, Netflix, movies, bandwidth, all kinds of upgrades that I need to make here in the padded room, possibly bringing in some other co-host eventually, somehow, some way, things like that. Uh, PaddedRoomPodcast.com is where you go to find that link. $5 donation will get you a Padded Room travel mug, Padded Room t-shirt, and control of the month of March. I'm going to retain February because I think uh, Resident Evil is going to take me well past the one-month mark. So we're not going to be done with this horse shit anytime soon, inmates. Yay! Good decision-making, Darian. <laughs> In the meantime, for Buddy in Absentia, Monica in Absentia, zombies that you can stab and have them go down, which I would hazard to say doesn't make them zombies at all. It just makes them ugly, pissed-off people. Uh, horny ghosts, Quan Chi demons in the, the Chinese countryside, um, found footage movies that are actually pretty good when done correctly and the padded room podcast i'm afraid visiting hours are over